Hello, my name is Stefan Homka, editor of Big Hospitality, and welcome to this podcast. We caught up with Anna Hall at her restaurant Mersel in Chelsea to talk about her high-flying cooking career, the inspiration behind her debut restaurant, and what makes Irish dairy so special. This podcast is brought to you by Board Beer, the Irish Food Board, the agency responsible for promoting Irish food and drink, both in Ireland and overseas. So Anna, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Um, let's start by talking about your, your, your life as a chef. Why did you decide to become a chef? Well, I always loved cooking. From a young age, my uh, mother taught all of us how to cook. And it was actually my friend's mother, when I was cooking in her house one day, she said, you know, Anna, like, you love cooking so much, would you not do it as a job? And, you know, 25 years ago, that didn't exist as a, as a possible career option for me when I, I went to an all-girls school in Dublin. So it was the equivalent of her going, you know, you like the stars, why don't you become an astronaut? Like, it seemed crazy. Um, but yeah, like, I feel like it was, it was already destined to be a job before I even knew it was a possible job. And how did you how did you get into it? What's 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 been your background uh, as a as a chef so far? So um, I did my apprenticeship in a restaurant called uh, Lecrevan in Dublin uh, with Derry Clark. That was a, a fantastic restaurant to start off in. And while I was there, they won their Michelin star. So that was a really exciting time to be part of that business. Um, and then I I trained in Paris for Gualtero Marchesi. I did some stages in Spain and Galicia and San Sebastian. And then I came to London about 20 years ago-ish. And I started to work for Pied-à-Terre, or Shane Osborne in Pied-à-Terre, and um, uh, Philip Howard in the square. And I worked for Bob Bacard and opened a restaurant for Gordon Ramsay. I mean, I'm very old. The list goes on and on. I mean, I don't even boring people. <laughs> so you've, you've been very busy. Um, Let's go back to Dublin. Can you mm. tell us about uh, your, your time working in Dublin? How long were you there for? And what was the Dublin restaurant scene like when you were there? What, 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 what year are we talking about? Oh my God, don't ask me years. Is this an exam? I'm going to fail my exam about myself. Um, I was born in the 80s. Let's keep this vague. Uh, I was born in the 80s. And I started cooking in the 90s. <laughs> um, I worked in, in, um, in uh, Le Crevan uh, with Derry Clark uh, in the late 90s. <laughs> I don't know the years, I'm sorry. Um, but when I started in um, Le Crevan, it was quite an exciting time for the food scene in, in Dublin. It was starting to change. We were hearing about new cuisines. I remember getting a cookbook of um, the French Laundry and it just like it blew my mind that food like this existed and everybody in the kitchen was so excited about this kind of new refined approach to to flavors and food and still at that stage if I'm really honest there was a real humble approach to what ingredients were. Michelin seemed to be awarding restaurants in Dublin or acknowledging restaurants in Dublin more than more than ever before. Um, the fine dining scene, particularly, seems to be thriving in Dublin. Have you? Do you go back there quite often? How, how have you seen the change since you were there in the late nineties? Shall we say? I mean, the food scene in Dublin was similar similar to the food scene in London back in the nineties. In a way that there was a handful of restaurants that held all of the food knowledge. What's happened now is there's been an explosion of really well-trained chefs have stayed in Ireland or have come back to Ireland. And I think that's reflected in the food scene now. Um, it's, 
it's exciting. People spend more money eating out. That means that more investment is in the industry so that more exciting concepts can grow. People become more open to it. I think in general, people are more interested in food, where it comes from, how it was made. And it's a, it's a stronger hobby now than it's ever been for people. And I think that's reflected in, in both cities. And we're in Mersel, your beautiful restaurant just off the King's Road. Um, why did you come to London and what's it like being an Irish chef working in the capital? So I came to London to finish my training. I thought it would be one year and then I'd be ready to, I don't know, open a kitchen of some sort, which is hilarious because within a couple of months I realised that I knew nothing and I needed to put a lot of training in. So I'm here nearly 20 years later and I fell in love with an Englishman, so he anchored me to the city. Um, but to be an Irish chef in London, I think it's really exciting. I think that there is an Irish food scene developing in London as well as in Ireland at the same time, where we're able to kind of talk about, you know, our homeland and the produce that comes from there in a in a more respected way than we've ever had before. Sure. I mean, you mentioned that the the number of you know the Irish chefs and that are working in this in the capital <coughs> working here. I mean, there is a rich history of Irish chefs doing great things in London. I mean, is there anyone in particular that, that you admire the most? To be honest, I mean, you've got to be so grateful to Richard Corrigan for what he's done, to stand the test of time, to keep producing delicious food, focusing on produce, focusing on the staff. I mean, he's a, he's a, a legend in his own right. But you've got Robin Gill, who is an inspiring chef, Patrick Powell from Allegra, also doing great stuff. But sure, just up the road to me here. Marguerite Kyo, uh, head chef of Five Fields, is doing phenomenal stuff. I mean, I shouldn't be promoting her. Like, she's just down the King's Road on the other end. But my God, she's definitely somebody I really admire. I mean, I don't, I don't think any conversation about Irish chefs could be complete without mentioning Richard Corman's name, at least. Um, I thought you were going to say somebody else. I was like, damn it, who did I leave out? <laughs> I mean, what's it like now that you're running Mersel, um, What's it like to be running a restaurant that's entirely your own and that you've been able to put your own stamp on? I'm so proud. I am, it never loses its sparkle with all of the stress and all of the worries that come with a business. Nothing outweighs the pride of being able to do what you love, how you want to do it. I don't have anybody telling me you need to put this on or you need to use the supplier or you need to you know, have a bottomless brunch on the weekend. I don't have to do anything like that. I can wake up in the morning and put the dishes on that I think are delicious, um, encourage my staff to be who they want to be when they're serving the guests. And I find it just really empowering, really empowering. There's, there's nothing negative I can say about having this restaurant. Oh, that's lovely to hear. And can you tell us a bit about Mersel and, and what it offers, offers your guests? So, Myrtle Restaurant, originally, if I'm honest, was supposed to be a modern European restaurant with an Irish influence because I thought London would freak out if I said I was going to do like a casual fine dining Irish restaurant. But it turns out that anything Irish I put on the menu, people are really curious to know where it comes from and what it is. So that's what this restaurant is all about. We celebrate Irish produce, we celebrate Irish culture in a kind of refined classy way you know <laughs> not like pints of guinness and you know uh, road signs on the wall not that there's anything wrong with that but that's such a common way that we interpret irish culture so it's just a more kind of informal formal how do i say this i don't know it's casual fine dining 
Absolutely. <laughs> and I think I think the change and, and your approach is testament to the high quality of, of, of Irish produce. I mean, how has your policy of using Irish produce been received by your by your diners? Honestly, they love it. They love it so much more than I expected them to. They're really excited to know the story behind all of the produce that we serve. So where it comes from, what county it comes from, how it's produced, who produces it. And, and, and we try our best to always protect whatever we're serving, that we represent those brands well. Okay, and you have a Taste of Ireland tasting menu. Mm. Can you tell us a bit, a, bit about, a bit about what that is, please? Yeah, so it's supposed to be like a journey through Ireland through food. So it goes from, you know, County Kerry in the south and, you know, it'll go all the way up to the north and Belfast. We've got quite a few um, produce products from Belfast. But um, so it's the whole country we like to give people a journey, but it changes all the time. So you don't always have the same counties on there. And what's quite exciting is that people will come from Waterford and be like, you know, where's the Waterford uh, experience or someone will come from County Clare, where's the County Clare? So it kind of inspires you to always be looking for new produce from different counties. And what is important to you when, when sourcing products for your menu? What, what do you look for? Quality. It's so key. I, like I said before, I don't have anybody telling me, you know, what to use and how to use it. So what I'm always looking for are products that I feel reflect the restaurant really well. So the better the products, the better the food at the end of the day. And that's really important. So what are some of the things that you use at Myrtle? What are the highlights? There's so many Irish products that we use in the restaurant. I don't have enough time to list them all. So I'll just talk about the stars of the show. So uh, in the restaurant, we only use uh, Irish cheeses. We don't use any cheeses uh, that you would usually use with cooking, like Parmesan. We would use an aged Koshnatira instead of that, or a Coulet cheese, which both have uh, great personalities when you're trying to invigorate maybe like a dumpling mix or add to... Um, uh, croquette. We also use the cheese to be the star of, of a dish. So St. Ola goat's cheese we use in a, um, a beetroot starter that, that is really complementary to the to dish, delicious flavour of St. Ola. Um, Irish beef, obviously, it goes without saying, is, is a key um, ingredient that we use. And our signature main course dish is um, Irish beef, fillet of beef, uh, served with braised beef from the burren inside an Irish dumpling, which is called a box tea. Um, and it is pretty delicious. But the reason why I think the food is delicious is because the beginning product is so good. When you have something that already tastes good, you're 50% you're there to having a delicious dish. I do actually feel very privileged and lucky to have these ingredients. And it's nice because it is just on our doorstep. Although Ireland is across the waters, it is um, a, a neighbour to the UK, so it, it doesn't make it so hard to get. Uh, do you think um, Irish food, Irish restaurants in, this, in, in, in the capital or, or in the country in general, is, is, that, is it going to grow? Is, are people more and more in tune with wanting to taste the bounty of Ireland and what, what it's got to offer? I think that definitely there is a food revolution bubbling underneath the surface at the moment. There's a lot of passionate Irish chefs who I believe have the same thought I have, which is I want to take the cuisine of, of the past in Ireland and bring it up to date. Uh, so we're all using different inspirations. Um, it could be Mexican food, it could be French food, but you know there are lots of Irish chefs at the moment who are trying to take Irish produce and introduce it to new recipes. But I try to use the recipes from my mother or my grandmother or recipes that I've researched that I, I do try very hard to protect old Irish cuisine and just make it lighter and more elegant.
Anna, Ireland is viewed, obviously, by many chefs as a source of great produce. Why is the country able to produce such high quality ingredients? Uh, I think the people are extraordinarily talented. Just want to say that. Uh, no, um, I think that we have got some lush pastures that can produce really delicious beef and from beef comes delicious dairy. And it's something that we can't be flippant about and that it's great that um, Board Bia and um, Origin Green are really trying to protect. Um, uh, I think that uh, from, you know, happy, healthy cattle comes, like I said, delicious beef and um, uh, dairy. So the dairy comes through the cheeses, but also through the butter, which is a very important part of the food that I cook in Myrtle. We are butter based. I mean, I consider myself to be butter based as well. So <laughs> I mean, tell, tell us about the role of Irish dairy products on your menu. What are some of the dishes on, on Myrtle's menu that, that you use Irish dairy products? So we use cheeses, as I mentioned earlier. Um, we have a St. Ola Goat's cheese starter, which is super delicious with beetroot. And we've got um, a carrot salad, which is probably the best dish I've ever created. And that has a, a very young kashnatira on it. It's a very, very elegant dish. But also I do um, a sea bass dish cooked in burnt butter, burnt Irish butter. And we all know that sea bass tastes delicious. This isn't a secret. Um, but when you take something wonderful like Irish butter and you burn it, the flavors become much more complex, nutty and moorish. So when you poach your sea bass in this butter, it takes on the flavor of the burnt butter. And when you're eating the sea bass, you're no longer talking about the sea bass anymore. You start talking about the burnt butter. It becomes the star of the show. And that's really what I think my restaurant does very well. You take a simple, humble ingredient like Irish butter and you can make it the star of the show. I mean, that sounds absolutely delicious. And what about some of your favourite Irish cheeses? Um, what are they and, and which parts of the country do they come from? Yeah, so we uh, we use um, uh, Crozier Blue, which would be probably one of my favourite blue cheeses and Cashel Blue. They, they're, they're important. We make uh, blue cheese truffles with them, which have a really simple um, Uh, sweet pickled shallot through it and chopped hazelnuts and the chopped hazelnuts are rolled around so a little bit of a play on like kind of a, a chocolate truffle the idea you would eat them cold you bite into it, it goes really delicious with a nice pair of teeth um, we have um, koshnatira as I mentioned the young koshnatira we use on the carrot salad this is a, a dish that I created years ago and I keep trying to take it off the menu people keep asking for it so I keep having to put it on but I shouldn't complain because when you take something like a carrot And you're able to make people desire to eat that over scallops or over, you know, black pudding, then you know you're, you're onto a winner. And the Koshnatira cheese is absolutely vital with that. We use it on the, the traditional tetamoyne wheel. So we shape the, the Koshnatira. Nothing goes to waste because any of the trimmings will go towards the boxy dumpling that we make that goes into that. But we use the wheel, we move it really quickly and it kind of creates a kind of a kind of carnation style flour um, to, to go on the, the salad and it goes really well. And the, the fact that it's quite thin allows the kind of uh, really strong flavors of Koshnatira to kind of open up. So it's quite good. Um, what else? We use Irish um, um, cream and mascarpone with making our taramasu. Uh, that's where Tara was where our high king um, used to live in Ireland. So it's a play on the Italian tiramisu and Ireland <laughs> and I make a, a biscuit called a rock scotty which is um, another play on a, a mixture between a rock bun and a biscotti and we flavor it with whiskey and coffee and then we layer it up with with the Irish dairy and uh, we have a little spray of Tullamore Jew to go on top 
and it's my favourite dessert, and I would like to eat it right now. Uh, there's two of us. I mean, I, <laughs> I would imagine you know, using ingredients like Irish cream and, and milk and butter, particularly in, in desserts, must must make your must make your life easy. Um, in a way, because they're such great ingredients, such key ingredients for dessert. Well, absolutely. People often don't really think about what their milk and their butter and their cream taste like. They literally just go buy a carton, buy a tub and get on with things. But there is like a natural kind of sweetness um, that you're looking for from your dairy. And that's what kind of helps you make a delicious dessert or delicious food, should I say. And what about the cheese? selection at Myrtle how do you approach your cheese board is it a vast selection of our cheeses is it a is it a tight selection what's your approach it's a tight selection on the cheese board front the restaurant itself is quite small and the space of where we would fit a cheese board um, currently wouldn't work as well but we like to take a like a it, it changes over time so we might have goubine as the the cheese which we dress in a very light lemon um It's kind of like a lemon oil we brush on top, which awakens this kind of nutty, delicious flavor. And the, together it goes really, really well. We serve it with a barn brack, homemade barn brack and a homemade chutney. And when it comes into apple season, my mother hilariously sends me over like shoe boxes of apples from her garden. And I make Mammy's uh, uh, apple chutney, which is really sweet because it probably costs her more to post me the apples than it would cost me to buy five times as much. But um, the apples are delicious and they make really good chutney that go very well with the cheese. But we, the cheese changes all the time. Like I said, it could be Croisier Blue, could be Cashel Blue, could be Young Buck. Um, we often have a blue cheese on the menu because we've all sorts of other cheeses going on at the beginning of the meal. Sometimes people like to have a different type of cheese at the end. Fantastic. And why do you think uh, more chefs should be interested in the sustainability credentials of Irish dairy? I think people want to know that they're using good produce. They want to believe in the brand that they're spending money on because their customers are asking them the same questions. And I think it's really important that you know where your your meat is coming from, how it's being treated and what uh, processes go into how it's packaged. All of those things come together. And and I think that's why people are are, are so curious. Sure. I mean, for me personally, one of the, you know, when you sit down to eat at a meal, one of the first things you're given is bread and butter. And if you're anything like me, you smear the butter on very liberally yeah. onto, onto the nice bits. It's one of the first things that guests eat in a restaurant, you know, all, all about making first impressions, I suppose. So if you're sourcing, and, and, and again, with the milk in the coffee at the end, if you're sourcing products where you know, like a bookmark, a, a meal, it's important to, to get it right, isn't it? Yeah, well, from the minute people arrive to the minute they leave your restaurant, all you want them thinking is the word delicious. Like that's really, that's our goal. Delicious and satisfaction. That's that's the two words of, of running a successful restaurant. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. From the minute you sit down, that bread and butter is, is one of the most important ingredients you can give your customer because it's what they eat when they're hungriest. And obviously sustainability is a, is a key issue in the restaurant industry at the moment. More and more restaurants are looking to be as sustainable as possible. Um, I'm assuming uh, Irish produce and Irish farmers and producers have a, have a very large part to play in that. Well, because Ireland isn't a huge country, I think it makes sustainability a little bit easier. I say easier because obviously when you first start to do this, it's quite complex. So it's all about how we manage waste, how we manage timings, um, and, and that's how things 
are, become sustainable. And having a, a core group of people working together to make sure that all of the ingredients are being used is, is quite key. And I think Board Beer with Origin Green are, are really doing that. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today and inviting us into your lovely restaurant, Myrtle. Um, for anyone who hasn't yet been to Myrtle, shame on you. It's located <laughs> on the King's Road in London. And it's a fabulous restaurant. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. The benefits of pasture-raised dairy are widely recognised around the world. In Ireland, our lush green grasslands, temperate climate and enduring tradition of herds grazing outdoors creates the perfect environment to produce natural, high-quality, grass-fed dairy. And with Board B as grass-fed standard, we can provide scientific evidence of our herds enjoying a grass-fed diet and offer reassurance of premium quality dairy, which is both naturally nutritious and delicious. Grass-fed Irish dairy the natural and sustainable choice for your menu.